Uh, Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate the Transfiguration, an event that is special and important in the history and the life of Jesus Christ, the gospel that he has shared with us. Uh, It happened when Jesus took his three intimate disciples, his inner circles, if you will, Peter, James, and John, and went up a high mountain. It isn't identified in the text, but most scholars think it was Mount Tabor, if that means anything to you. Uh, In any event, as they reached the summit, suddenly a great change took place. No more than a change. The title for this sermon, it's not in your bulletin, but I always make a title for what I write as sermons. I I use the title Extreme Makeover. That might be a little bit more than a change, but it still doesn't capture what took place. Finally, we must look to the original language and the word that is translated transfiguration in the English. The word is metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. We sometimes say, this person morphed into something else, but that's just a slang way of using the full word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is used more technically correct when we think of a butterfly coming from a caterpillar and morphing, mortifice to a flying, beautiful insect, a butterfly. Yes, that's the kind of thing that took place. Beyond mere words to describe, but very special, very significant. Jesus' clothing shone brightly with a whiteness that could not be matched by the greatest bleach of anyone in the history of the world. And Jesus himself shined with the brightness, the splendor, the very glory of heaven shone on his face. To make the matter even more unique and spectacular, suddenly appearing with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration stood Moses and Elijah. Moses, the great lawgiver of Israel. Elijah, thought by many to be the greatest prophet of Israel, held in high reverence by the people of Judah. And then, as a cloud enveloped them all, standing there in that holy place, the cloud signifying the presence of God, often referred to as, or the original word, Shekinah, the cloud that represents the presence of God, a voice came forth. Oh, to be there and to see these things and hear the words. This is my beloved son. You betcha. Listen to him. You hear that? Because it's speaking to you, not somebody else. Each of you individual, God is saying, listen to him. Don't listen to anyone else. Don't go to the left or to the right. Listen to him. 
The disciples, Peter, James, and John, were lifted to the clouds. They were terrified, but it was an experience that they would never, ever forget if they lived to be a million. They were, their faith was reinforced, and they were prepared as never before to follow Jesus in the soon happening events of his passion. To be sure, they didn't do too well, we know. But what a blessing it was to have this experience just before they would witness him dying on the cross. The glory of God was also revealed in the Old Testament, we know. Particularly, we can recall from our epistle for today how when Moses went up Mount Sinai there to receive the two tablets of the law and to enter into that covenant with God for the people below, the people of Israel. And when Moses came down from that mountain, his face glowed. It shone with the reflected glory of God, the glory of the law that God had given to Moses. After that marvelous moment at Sinai, God continued to meet with Moses at the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. And there the two would converse in a very intimate setting. And God would speak to Moses and he would record not just the Ten Commandments, those he already had, but the many rules and regulations for life that governed the people of Israel. Yes, the law. The law is good. It was given by God, and anything given by God has got to be good. But in time, the law would fade. With the coming of the Messiah, the coming of God's grace in Jesus Christ, the ancient Israelites and Israelites, I suspect to this day, still are veiled from the gospel of God's grace. Yes, missionaries have spread the gospel, but somehow it, it's a difficult thing to penetrate that veil they have. For they, in their sin-hardened hearts, they go the way of the flesh, hoping somehow to be good enough to earn God's favor. And let me tell you, it won't work. Those poor people, hardened in their hearts, are doomed to eternity in hell. How sad. They need our prayers desperately. But those who come to Christ, those who seek him out, the veil is removed, and we then witness the splendor and glory of God, the wonder of his undying love for you and me. Coming to Christ is no small matter. It doesn't mean just being confirmed and kneeling at the altar and pastor laying his hands on you. It doesn't mean just being in church every Sunday, and I suspect many of you are, maybe all of you are. It means giving your life over to him and him alone. An interesting phrase in the gospel for today, the story of the transfiguration 
And it always just struck me, the words, in the old King James especially. After the cloud had passed, the Shekinah, the disciples looked up and they saw no one save Jesus only. Those words, I don't know if they touch you like they touch me, but beautiful words. They saw no one but Jesus. And that's what it means to come to Christ, to see no one but Jesus. All of the other things of life become unimportant. Only Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. Can my heartfelt yearning fill. Lo, I pledge myself to Jesus. I can't remember the rest. But Jesus is all there is for you and for me. Oh, yes, I love my wife dearly. But I love Jesus more. And I pray that God helps me love Helen more. But it's Jesus, 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 Jesus only. And as we come to Jesus, and I pray mightily that all of you can say that, yes, I have come to Jesus. I've surrendered my all to him, and he's all that it is and all that matters in my life. And if you do, you too begin to glow in the glory of Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't mean a visible shining, a halo over your head or something like that. No, but you begin to glow. Your life has changed. You're no longer the same person. You are new. As our church up in Hugo, new life you experience. That great transformation of faith. And you begin to live a life of love. That's always the bottom line in the life of a Christian. You begin to love your enemy like yourself. Can you believe it? And you begin to love others a great deal more than never before. Yes, your life is transformed. And all those gifts of the spirit that we receive from him, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all those gifts begin to radiate. And when others see you, they can tell. They can, can't tell because of a visible glow, but they can see you, and they know you're special, and you shine. Do you shine? That's up to you to find out. But I'll tell you where to start. It starts at the foot of the cross and bended knee, crying out for mercy and finding that mercy in the grace of God. And then you are saved. Then you are transformed. But again, those who come with a hardened heart, the stilted understanding of conformity to this world and all those negative things that we all know about because it, in, it saturates our culture. We can hardly look at a TV ad anymore without getting some evil notion about usually it's sexuality, but it can be anything else. I could spend the next 10 minutes citing some of those things, but you know you look at the same TV I do. But until, until that veil is lifted, until they see the glory of God in Jesus Christ and surrender to him, for them there's no hope. But I pray that you are changed into the image of God 
And that glory shines in you brightly. In Romans, the second chapter, we read what it means to be changed. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's an interesting word. You know what they did with the sacrifices, right? They burned them to a crisp. Well, you don't have to be burned to a crisp, but to that full extent, you give yourself to Jesus. Holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's why we're here today, so that you can surrender yourself anew. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Huh, interesting. The word that Paul uses and is translated in our English Bible as transformed is that same word we use for transfiguration. Be transfigured by the renewal of your mind, which is your spiritual worship. A complete makeover. A metamorphosis that can only vaguely be captured by the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. That kind of overall change that can't be mimicked or copied in any way. It comes from the heart and shows you the glow on your face. And so, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, many of whom I loved dearly through the years I was here as a servant of Christ in your midst, I pray that you come to Christ or are in his presence glowing like that. So this congregation will give praise to God and grand alleluia with faces shining, every one of us, the splendor and glory of his name until that day you see him face to face in heaven's splendor there to reside with him and for him forevermore. Amen.